Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Time to break out the journal. Okay. Things I'm actually excited about. What did I write last week? No, of course I get it. I just... I feel like I'm speaking a second language, and there's only so many words to choose from. Events were tragic, then thoughts and prayers. Is any of that not true? Yes, it's all true. Just remember that you mean it. Why did you want to know about your blood type? Because I'm 16 now. I'm old enough to give blood in this state with parental consent. All the other states is 17. I looked it up. This is what you want to do after school on your birthday? This real podcast starts in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Struggle is Real. I'm Veronica Avila, alongside my podcast partners, Omar Ramos. Hello, Omar. Hello, Veronica. Hello, everyone. And, of course, joining us as well is our very own expert, Dr. Alicia Laos. How are you, doctor? Very good to be here. Hey, guys. So today we have a very interesting topic. We've named it After the Disaster. And this, of course, in light of the latest events, we're going to be talking about different types of disasters and the trauma that comes with it, which actually affects kids, adults, families, and our communities. This should be very interesting. And, of course, joining the conversation is Dr. James Hamawan. He's a doctor of psychology, graduated from the Illinois School of Professional Psychology at Argosy University Northwest. He has worked in the neuropsychology and mental illness fields and is currently the project analyst at Family Bridges. Adding to all of that, a loving husband and father. Welcome, Dr. James. Thank you, Armour. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you today as our expert because this is a, a big topic that's always in our mind in some sort of way. Now, we've recently experienced a wide range of notorious tragedies from natural disasters to violent acts in schools and communities, and of course, the separation of families. Uh, how are kids impacted by these events, Doctor? Fair, it's obvious it's going to vary on case by case. You know, the mm -hmm. degree of impact that any given stress is going to have on one particular particular kid is going to be impacted by their circumstances, mm -hmm. their heredity, the support systems in place, and lots of other factors. Some kids can come through a tremendous tragedies seeming untouched, and others are going to be working for years with so-called everyday stress. But those are really more the exceptions than the general case. You're usually going to see kids to a greater or lesser extent feeling their sense of security threatened. Mm -hmm. They're going to feel like the good order of the world, the support that they get from their families, from their communities, is, is shaken. And they're going to need extra care, extra love and attention to try and repair the damage that the tragedy can cause. Most definitely. Mm, very interesting. This is a question I'm going to ask everybody that's here today. Did you ever experience a disaster, a tragedy of any sort as a child, and how did you feel that it affected you as, as a kid? Veronica. You know, lucky enough to say tragedy, tragedy, I don't think I've experienced one myself. I've seen other people go through the tragedies and I've tried to be a support to that particular kid or family, but mm -hmm. thankfully I have not. Have you? Dr. Alicia? I mean, I did go through a hurricane. It was a significant hurricane in mm -hmm. the Dominican Republic. It was Hurricane David. I recollect it more with amusement to saw the palm trees being lifted from the front of the house. Mm -hmm. wow. I don't, I, now, I know that sounds tragic. The, the interpretation of the event was jovial because mm -hmm. it was like all these people were in my house. We were playing. I don't know if, because it's the Caribbean island, but they do. Mm -hmm. I've experienced it now that I've gone back with, you know, the threats of the hurricanes and they take it very lightly and they're just making jokes. And so the interpretation of everybody wasn't one that was a threat. And so mm -hmm. as a kid, I didn't see it as a threat. I really saw it as an amusement. So when I look back at that memory, I see it as a happy one, which yeah. 
it, in light of the circumstance, after the event, we were running mm-hmm. around and making food for people. Again, another adventure for a kid. Yeah. So in my my protective eyes as a kid, I, did, I didn't see it as a negative threat. I actually saw it as a unifying thing that you get together. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, there were everybody was getting together to share food. So actually, it was a, a happy thing instead of a negative <laughs> thing. It's great that you say that because that's where when solidarity comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And then the way that the adults around you handled it mm-hmm. probably made you feel safe. Yeah. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Omar? On this side, well, um, as a child, I wanted to be either a uh, CHP, which is a California Highway Patrol, thanks to the show chips mm-hmm. back in the day. And also, thanks to Airwolf, I wanted to be a pilot, uh-huh. right? This was when I was a little munchkin. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, here comes the Challenger disaster. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. The space mm-hmm. shuttle thing? Mm-hmm. Well, we were watching that in school. It was a big deal at a Leibard yes. Elementary School. And here I am watching this. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then, boom, live on TV. Mm-hmm. It explodes and all these people lose their lives. Ever since then, I developed this fear of flying. I feel that I'm going to be the next challenger situation. So obviously I was young. I experienced that visual trauma. And to this date, I get all uneasy about flying. I always, right before I jump into a plane, I knock on it three times. I talk to the plane. (laughs) Be nice to me today. So it's something that I haven't been able to overcome. But just to kind of answer your question, that would be the trauma that I witnessed as a child. Well, I'm glad you've been okay in all your So far, so good, yeah. Trip. (laughs) But you guys just heard about the plane that was in Mexico. Yeah. That could have been a tragedy. Now, thankfully, mm-hmm. everybody survived. Yeah. Definitely. What a miracle, right? But the effect, so the effect that imagine all those kids, you know, watching either via social media or on TV. Mom and dad watch a newscast mm-hmm. and they see this plane up in smoke and they're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to get on a plane anymore. So obviously it has its negative effects. Yes, of course. Now, some quick facts that we'll get here. And this is, uh, we got it from the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Mm -hmm. It says here, now following a disaster, people may develop post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, which is a set of symptoms that can result from experiencing, witnessing, or participating in an overwhelmingly traumatic event. Also, children with PTSD have repeated episodes in which they re-experience the traumatic event, and that speaks to what you just mentioned. Can you tell us more, Doctor? Sure. I mean, when we're looking at the quick effects of PTSD, it is more of a an ongoing thing. It is something where you might not see the imp- impact right away. Um, it might come out months or even years after the event. Mm-hmm. So something to remember with kids who are going through a tragedy is that they may look okay right off the bat, but a few weeks later or a few months later, they might start having nightmares. They might come to their mom and dad and, and seem very nervous about things that previously weren't an issue at all. So it is very important when there is a trauma just to be have more of a heightened awareness for a time period after that to just be and be open to having to work with it even though you think in the immediate aftermath things look might look okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and listen to our first sketch. This is called Get Out of Bed. We'll be speaking with several of the survivors at the end of the program. First, we'll listen to the president's response which he made last night from Another disaster. I don't want to get up. Getting up means going out. I'm always just so tired when I wake up. This is depression, isn't it? Is it depression if it's the world's fault? I need a therapist, just someone to unload on for a freaking minute. I don't want to have to call insurance companies and figure that crap out. Maybe during my commute to work? No big deal if I'm stuck on hold when I'm stuck in traffic. Okay, okay. I'm not going to start the old list of things that make me angry. Time to break out the journal. Okay. Things I'm actually excited about. What did I write last week? 
more discoveries about the ancient world, like that mountain that turned out to be a pyramid covered in centuries of dirt. Discoveries about space, like how they figured out the other galaxies are moving away from us. That was cool. The new Avengers movie. Finding my soulmate, and she also hasn't watched The Sopranos. Watching The Sopranos with my soulmate. Having kids and teaching them how to walk. Listening to Beatles records with my family on Sundays. Eventually, having a very earnest argument with my kids about which song has the world's best guitar solo. Showing my kids the old Avengers movies. Joining a gym because I develop a dad bod. Growing to become an old man. And being a regular at a diner where the waitress really likes me. Getting to write my tombstone and it says something awesome. Like, rock and roll will never die. All right, so what are some things to be excited about? Electric skateboards. Wait, they actually have those. Being able to afford electric skateboards. Getting a dog and taking it to the beach. Um, Every Christmas for the rest of my life. Yes, I love Christmas. Okay, so we're back, and we just heard Pablo, a college kid, waking up to an address by the president in response to a natural disaster with victims. Almost automatically, he turns off the news and instead thinks of happy or positive thoughts to keep his mind off of the bad news and about dealing with the insurance for potential damage to his property. Is this a healthy way to handle it? How do you prepare your kids mentally and emotionally for a natural disaster or anything that can cause like mental trauma once they're on their own? Yes and no. In the short term, it does reduce his immediate anxiety. It mm-hmm. brings the stress levels down. And for some people, if they're constantly living in this state of stress where it's almost like it's paralyzing, they can't make themselves get out of bed, they can't make themselves move, you do sometimes need to break your brain out of that rut. And this can be a one activity that could kind of help you get your brain shifted into a different gear so you can face the day and actually make some progress. Uh, The problem is in the long term, that's going to actually tend to raise your anxiety because you have this issue that you're not looking at, you're not facing it, you're putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and it just gets bigger and bigger in your mind behind you. So Pablo may be kind of jumping the gun a little bit here in that he's he's trying to avoid the issue before he even takes a chance to look at it. Although I did like that he commented on, maybe I can take care of the insurance thing in the car. I mean, talking on your phone on the car might not be the best plan, but yeah, at least no, he no, is no. making a plan. That's a concrete, I'm going to take a look at this. I'm going to see if I can do something about it in the future. So he's not putting it off forever. And it does kind of lead into what do you need to do for kids to try and help them be more prepared to deal mm-hmm. with stresses when they get out of the house. Uh, and obviously you don't want to put your child through a trauma just to give them the experience. Although if you're going through one right now, know Mm -hmm. that that is an occasion for you to help your kids learn that can strengthen them and make them more resilient Mm -hmm. in the future. But anytime anyone who's alive is going to have stress, there's going to be anxiety. There's going to be situations that you don't know how to face. There's going to be challenges that you need to overcome. And the more that you as a parent can empower your kid to face those challenges, you can lead by example, show them, I faced difficulties too. Mm -hmm. I was afraid, but this is how I kept going. I was nervous and this is how I dealt with it. I had a struggle, but these are the people who came to help me. That leads to children to see the way to act in the future. It's like Alicia was talking about her traumatic experience mm-hmm. in the hurricane. When the mm-hmm. family came together, it made this unified group. They had this sense of togetherness, and none of them were trying to face the challenge alone. It was it was a time of strengthening. Community. Community, exactly. So you want to you give your kid that sense of community, that sense that they don't have
have to face everything on their own. You do want to push them. You want to challenge them. You want them, you know, if they have homework, if they have a math problem, let them struggle with it. Then give them one hint. Give them two hints. Help lead them to the process that they're pushing themselves, but they know if I can't get it, I'm not on my own. There is a support network that I can fall back on. And giving them the strength to kind of push their boundaries and learn to become more self-sufficient, mm-hmm. but also knowing that when I reach my limits, and we're all going to reach our limits mm-hmm. sometimes, you don't have to go it alone. Gotcha. Dr. Alicia, some kids are more prone to anxiety and depression due to different circumstances. Like Pablo, we saw Pablo here getting very anxious. Do you seek professional help before the disaster if you know that there's something coming up or if you live in a place like you mentioned the place where you grew up, you already knew that there were hurricanes. Do you prepare before as a preventative effort? I think if your children, if you're seeing that there's signs of depression and anxiety, irregardless of whether there's a hurricane coming, it behooves you to try to get care for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you see your child that has signs of, you name it, right? Yeah. Any medical condition or any condition at all, you would want to do preventative care because the sooner you're able to provide intervention, the sooner you're able to provide them with the skill sets. And we've seen that children are super resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we're able to give them the tools, you know, earlier on, I mean, just like they write, learn how to ride the bike pretty quickly. Have you seen a child, you know, they might yeah. stumble a few times before you know it, they're, they're riding their bike, right? Children, are, you know, if anybody, wow, they learn very quickly. And so if you're seeing some concerns, best if they have those tools earlier on so that it could equip them through life as they're able to deal with whatever onslaughts they're coming their way. I would just add, though, the interesting thing that James was talking about in terms of parents, and even going back to my experience, as parents, how important it is for us to be the ones that are mindful of our own internal emotional things that are happening because we then put on whatever fears and anxieties on our kids. Mm -hmm. They're like my example, oh, this is amusing, right? Mm-hmm. And to put whatever circumstances you may in a child, and to them, it's going to be naturally looked at with mm-hmm. curiosity. Sure, they'll have some of the common emotions that we, you know, maybe there's some fear or kind of, you know, apprehension here and there. But we will augment that as parents mm-hmm. if our own formation or concepts that we've developed regarding that, we put it on them. And mm-hmm. now they will respond perhaps with even greater fear and greater distress. Mm-hmm. So if we are finding ourselves to be having a lot of struggles with dealing with crisis overall mm-hmm. and it could be day-to-day things and we're just always hyper vigilant in our response you know just a little bit way too much intensity in our feelings yeah mm-hmm. and we need to just learn how to manage that I think the best thing we can do for our children is to work on ourselves Most for definitely. sure yeah mm-hmm. and the self-awareness that you were uh, saying uh right now that you were mentioning very quickly i remembered i said no i haven't had disasters i had a little disaster in my house not too long ago mm-hmm. when i came back home and there was yeah. water coming out all over the place right i did have a little crisis there <laughs> yeah. i was like i don't want this house because it was just a lot of problems right coming out of the wall coming out of the ceiling water everywhere and my two little kids were with me and i had like this panic because the the um the alarms went off Mm-hmm. And I can't get these alarms to to shut down. Shut down, and I'm <laughs> and I'm just like, where's this water coming up from? Oh my god, it's I'm, we're gonna is this ceiling gonna come down because I could see the 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 wall yeah, kind of. Anyway, I had a little a little moment there, and I said, I remember I said I was crying. I'm like, oh oh my god, I don't want this house anymore. And my little boy said to me, 
are we gonna move? Are we? We're not gonna have a house anymore. <laughs> and that was like a like a wake up right there, right? Because I had like a minute of craziness, and I'm like, no, 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 we're not gonna move. I'm sorry, we're gonna fix this. We just have a flood, yeah. and we're gonna be fine. Self awareness, right? Just kind mm-hmm. of pick it up, and then just making sure that we remember that they're seeing us, yeah. and they're going to to carry that on. We we are yeah. responsible to give them that security. Right. And it might not be. I mean, your your case is a flooding. It could be that, and it could be that the cup overflowed and. and cracked and it broke uh-huh. you know it could be very simple things like that but if you're finding yourself being very explosive mm-hmm. and even things that are your response should be like if we were to put no. it on a scale of a one to ten you know one being the least crazy response ten being the most a flood like yours you know yeah of course you're gonna at the beginning go oh my goodness right it's expected <laughs> but you know if a cup you know but then you self-soothe yourself and then you respond that's uh-huh. right that's normal mm-hmm. let's say you drop a cup and it breaks and you're finding yourself responding like a ten Oh, no. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then how about if then you take that and you put that on your kids? How'd you break the cup yeah. and what's impossible, right? And you find yourself doing that with little crises. Mm-hmm. Then you're actually, what kind of trauma now are you creating in your children? For oh something goodness. that wasn't really, mm-hmm. you know, should that have been big. a three. And so those kinds of things are what I'm talking about in terms of self-awareness as a parent. If we're putting on a story and a concept in our children's head that's beyond what's true, yeah, then it behooves us to get help for ourselves. True. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And just to kind of dig in a little bit more into you mentioned uh, the situation you experienced with your with your babies, your younger children, mm-hmm. right? That's a whole different world, a whole different mind, a whole <laughs> different way of processing things. Mm-hmm. This next question that I have for you guys, and it has to do with like, for example, my child. Mm-hmm. My child has a situation where she's scared of going to school. Mm-hmm. Reason being the school shootings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. You know, the school mm-hmm. shootings. Now she thinks that every day could probably be her last day. Mm-hmm. And I remember that one situation that happened in the East Coast where those 12 babies were shot down. Mm-hmm. That like really, really hit her hard. You know, I could have been that parent that just exploded and said, you know what, we're pulling you out of school and you're going to be homeschooled and la 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 la. Yeah. And I could have been that super protective dad. However, I sat down and I listened to her and I wanted her to know that there are evil people in this world, yeah. which is reality. Mm-hmm. And that... Thank God she goes to a school where they talk to the kids and they have developed plans Mm -hmm. to protect themselves if there's an unfortunate situation where somebody tries to harm them that way. So I wanted her to kind of balance those things and take those things in consideration that the world is not perfect, but however, there are good people out there that will try to protect and all that. So (laughs) therefore, I'm going to ask you guys this question, talking about the little kids, what can you say to them? What is the ideal thing to say to them (laughs) when uh, something like this happens, something as traumatic as a school shooting or what have you? I think this is you know kind of cribbing off what Alicia is saying. It is very important as parents that you modulate your response, that Mm -hmm. you get yourself under control before you go in and talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, something like a school shooting or a fire or you know, a car accident. You know, there, there are disasters out there that are really profoundly impactful that you don't have control over. And and it may not be possible in the case of a hurricane, you get the family together, you can have a party and, and the kids can roll with it. And that's great. There are other situations where you're just going to be hit and there's really not a whole lot you can do to not be impacted. But mm-hmm. you don't want to dump that on the kids. You want to be upfront. You want to be honest with them. You say, yes. you know, look, this is a very scary situation. I'm a little bit scared too, but I know that we're going to pull through this. We're going to be okay. I love you no matter what. Look at what's going on around us. Look at all the support that we have. Like Omar was saying, look at what the school has already done. Look at these protections that we have in place. Yes, we know that there is danger. We're not blind to the danger, mm-hmm. but we're taking all these steps to try and protect ourselves from the danger to keep ourselves safe. And there's all these people who are with us who are trying to guard our backs and we're together on this. And it's the building that, again, that sense of community, that sense that you're not alone. It's that isolation that really drives the fear. Phenomenal stuff. Thank you so much for that, doctor. So we're going to go ahead and proceed over to our next sketch. This is called 
overstaffed. Good afternoon. You've reached the offices of Congressman Kirby. Yes, recent events in Apple Grove were tragic. Of course. Of course. I'll pass your message along to the congressman. We're going to keep you in our thoughts and prayers. Thanks for your call. <sighs> that lady was angry. They're all angry. That's why they're calling. You can set the phone on voicemail now. It's after four. Finally. I was getting so tired of saying the same thing over and over. I feel scripted. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel that way talking to people? Well, what about the people on the other line? Are they scripted? Well, they're all the same gist. You're not getting my point. No, of course I get it. I just... I feel like I'm speaking a second language, and there's only so many words to choose from. Events were tragic, then thoughts and prayers. Is any of that not true? Yes, it's all true. Just remember that you mean it. You know, I really just want you to commiserate with me. You think I'm not? No, you've got... Never mind. What? No, I'm being too much. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I've got a DC thing going on or something? Like I'm some self-serving staffer? Kind of. Excuse me, but I'm not going to cry because I'm not putting myself first. We're public servants. I am. You are. You know what that means? It means we put ourselves second. Yes, of course. But what does that really mean? All that happens is that people call. We write down their names. We write a form letter saying that we hear them. The congressman signs it. What do they get for their tragedy? A receipt. A receipt? A piece of paper. So what should they get? A change of policies? Well, eventually. That's what you'd do if you were in charge. It beats this. I'm just shadow boxing injustices. Half of these people don't realize that the congressman already feels the same way as them. But even if he felt different, you want to know why it wouldn't matter? Why? Because you can't respond to emotional pain with policy. That's politicizing their problems. We're human beings. We're part of the human government. What does that mean? It means we respond to emotion with comfort. Human government. Humans in general. We're all humans. Yeah, it's weird to share a bathroom with a congressman. <laughs> yeah, he's human too. In eight years, do you think I'll be like you? More battle-hardened? I'm not more battle-hardened. Since you're new, I won't take that as an insult. I just mean, am I supposed to keep all these people in my heart? All these stories? Just remember, it's not your heart they're worried about. It's their own. You're right. This isn't about me. But keep that compassion. I respect that. Thanks. I can't believe you called me battle-hearted. I'm sorry. This is wisdom. Well, thank you for the wisdom. Hey, if you've ever got to make it about you, I'm here. Don't want to not say that. You too. You're a good human. You're a good human too. All right, so we just heard the other side of the coin, the government phone response team speaking to constituents, and Marissa is new to the office, while Veronica, oh, her name is Veronica too, has 10 years dealing with similar events. Now, we heard Marie's, uh, Marissa, she, she actually she had the script memorized, and she kept repeating it. Obviously, she can't wait to go home, right? She was she sounded, she had that monotone, etc. Now, Veronica reminded her to have more of a public servant spirit. Dr. Alicia, how important is it for government employees 
ways or just for people responding uh, to the people in need to be more compassionate and empathetic? People get burnt out because they get burnt out. They get into the rut. Um, having that, that kind of a job where you're constantly caring for others, it's important to care for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you don't care for yourself, then you're going to hurt others along the way. And there is also that fatigue, compassion fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, where you just care, 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 and mm-hmm. you're, because you're not receiving care for yourself. And, you know, the stories are horrific. So some of that, th- I don't see that being the case in here. It's mm-hmm. more like she just was kind of like, okay, check mark, I did my job. Exactly. You know, I clocked in and I clocked mm-hmm. out. So there's different reasons why people just respond in a non- caring way. But yeah, given the affliction of the day and what people are going through, it's important for us to serve with our hearts. And serving with our hearts means we have to be very real. Mm -hmm. And that means we have to tap into our own humanity, which is very painful and very hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's easier just to be, you know, sometimes official and just kind of have that straightforward answer than to tap into who we are, Mm -hmm. recognize our own pain, and then speak forth from that. So serving with our heart requires that we be more human Yes. And that's that's not that's not easy to do. Oh, it's not. It's not. And, and and I love the explanation that you just gave us right now, Dr. Alicia. And speaking of compassion and empathy, another recent disaster has been obviously we've seen it on the news and what have you is the separation of families at the border. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to jump into politics because in the past it's gotten me in a bind. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to focus on this directly or those directly affected by all this. Obviously, we know that it can have a massive impact. But what kind of impact can it have on families, especially families with kids? You know, what's the the negative side of all this? There's very little that is positive. I mean, there's really no good positive outcome you're going to have out of the situation that you wouldn't get from otherwise overcoming naturally occurring stress. You don't need to add extra stress on top in order to get a good outcome. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. The situation is very heartbreaking to the parents, and that's maybe in part intentional, but it's really, it hits the kids hard. At best, you're having a mild separation anxiety, you're having some mild stress going on, and at worst, it's going to be extremely stressful. They're going to be dealing with this for a long time to come. You know, deal with that loss of sense of security, that loss of sense of trust, that loss of reliance on the world as a generally happy and and me-supporting place as opposed to a a dangerous place. Um, Mm -hmm. It takes time to overcome that. Just to try and steer clear a little bit of some of the more more politically charged research that's Mm -hmm. been coming out recently, I did go back a little bit, and and Mm -hmm. there's a study from 2008 in the Philippines that was done on children whose parents left the country voluntarily, but they left to go and do work visas for many months at a time or years at a time away from their kids, and they Mm -hmm. wanted to see how were these kids impacted versus kids who had intact families. Even in this situation, which is in a perfect parallel, you see that the kids have higher levels of stress. They're mm-hmm. less physically healthy. They're more isolated. They feel more notionally disconnected. They're more likely to deal with stress by shutting down or avoiding than actually facing a problem head on and rising to the challenge. Even in a, a completely non-politically charged situation, you see all these negative outcomes from being separated from your parents. Um, even when your parents chose to be separated and you knew yeah. it was coming. So for these kids, it, it's coming very abruptly and they don't really have the preparation to know what to do to deal with it. The the good news, if you want to call it that, is, is you know, it is a very, relatively short-term um, mm-hmm. situation. It is, is an acute stress, not a chronic stress. And, you know, the parents are obviously going to do everything they can to try and help fix the family and repair the situation once this crisis has passed. There are support networks, you know, the communities are really rallying around this issue. So I think when they get through to the other side, there's going to be a lot of support in doing the necessary repair work, but it's going to take a lot of love. It's going to take a lot of patience. It's going to take being open to listening to the children talk and addressing their fears and, and, and letting them know, you know, yes, this did happen. And yes, it was difficult. And yes, we all struggled through this, but we're still a family. We're still together. We still love you. Our friends and neighbors are still around us. A bad thing happened but it is not the defining case of the world. 
for as long as you still feel fear about it. We can talk about it. This, mm-hmm. this doesn't have to be better tomorrow. If it's still bothering you in a month, if it's still bothering you in a year, we can talk about it. And you can get more help if we need more help. We will find that support. Kids are incredibly resilient. And again, going back, it's the meaning that we provide to the circumstance. Yes. You know, if you've ever seen the movie The Pianist, beautiful movie I would mm-hmm. recommend it but you know it's through the holocaust and this yes. couple goes through it and it's pretty horrific and, and all these things and so the father does all these things to protect his son and make it like a mm-hmm. game so the, for the son the whole experience was a game and somehow he you know lifts through that whole circumstance which is pretty terrific but for the eyes of this child the whole event was viewed as a game and mm-hmm. how much more different his sense of self was protected in light of that circumstance so oftentimes I think whatever circumstances happen to us as parents and that we didn't want and our children are a part of it and they're being impacted one thing that we need to be mindful is what is our interpretation of it that we're putting on in our kids Mm -hmm. you know what color are we giving that circumstance and then if we bathed in it and cook in it and bake in Mm -hmm. it if you will in a negative light are we doing more damage to the kids in, in front of us so we need to process it in a healthy way of course individually but are we put giving it so much meaning and putting so much emotionally charged cargo in the kid's life that then their world is going to be colored with a negative repercussion mm-hmm. even greater than the experience itself. Great advice and obviously for the parents that are available. Now, how do we teach our kids to care about others, other kids, other families, as much as they do about themselves when we see these disasters? To love them more and to be there, they have to be more compassionate as well. That's a good one, right? As our kids, we want them to also care for others Mm -hmm. and that's not going to come naturally again because they're just going to think about themselves gosh i just keep thinking of it i didn't respond right away because i kept thinking of this book that my daughter keeps having me read over and over again and she hasn't memorized Mm -hmm. and it's you know this thing that grows all these hands because it doesn't share um it's called buzzle billy and buzzle billy just grows hands because it doesn't share the kids don't want to play with them but you know that's i guess reading books to the kids because you know now when they don't share that they're like oh i'm gonna be like Buzzle Billy that's going to go grow, grow hands. So, you know, they do internalize stories. There's a lot of great books out there, you know, going to the library perhaps and using that as a way to bring about, you know, these concepts that we want to bring to our kids in a tangible way. Mm-hmm. That's one way. I don't know, James. Again, I'm always big on leading by example. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come back to that again. But if you take the time to take your kids and go to, you know, we, we've gone to um, Habitat for Humanity. Yes. We've gone to mm-hmm. these kitchens where we've worked with um, Kiwanis Club where they will mm-hmm. make like cookie kits and they'll just put all the ingredients in a jar and then they'll give them to families so that they can make cookies. You know, feed my starving children. You, you can absolutely mm-hmm. go and volunteer for an hour or two and just show these kids that, yes, I'm going out. And I'm doing this thing to help other people. And you're coming with me. And mm-hmm. we are together doing this service for another person who may never know, know who we are. They're never going to meet us. They're, they're never going to say thank you to it. But we can demonstrate that kind of behavior, that 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 servant leadership, that ability to go out and, and, and demonstrate to our children. We care about the community. We care about people, even people we don't know, even people who will never know that we help them. And we can go out and be that, that change that we want our kids to see. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now let's go into our next sketch. This one's called Blood Drive. Mm. Happy birthday. Oh, you're already up. Mom, what's my blood type? Well, happy birthday. Thanks. It doesn't really feel that happy. I know. It breaks my heart that our children grow up in a world where stuff like this happens. You shouldn't be reading about this on your birthday, Evan. Come on. Why? I'm more adult. I should act more grown up. (sighs) I guess. I need to start accepting that. You're not watching any video footage, are you? Nothing that's not on the main news sites. Nothing that bad. Those parental blocks are staying up until you're 18, young man. I know. Still, don't show any footage to your little brother without letting me check it out first. Okay. 
He's too young for this stuff. No, Mom, I totally understand. Why did you want to know about your blood type? Because I'm 16 now. I'm old enough to give blood in this state with parental consent. All the other states is 17. I looked it up. This is what you want to do after school on your birthday? I can't think of a better way of starting my newest year off right. But honey, I thought we were going to go and get your driver's permit after school. Can we do it tomorrow? Maybe we can do both if we try. This is a big birthday. I'd rather you donated blood tomorrow. People need it now, Mom. That's what the news said. And we're not that far away from the center of all this. So, Mom, what's my blood type? Oh, negative. Oh my gosh, that's universal. How did I not know that? Surprisingly, I don't bring up your blood type a lot. <laughs> Surprisingly. You sure you don't want to just hold the door open for an old woman today? Mom, why don't you want me to do this? Because I don't want to see my baby's blood on his birthday. Mom, it's the right thing to do, especially if I'm universal blood type. I know, you're such a good kid. Most kids just want cake, you know? Let's have cake afterwards. I heard they give you a cookie. But how about we get cake afterwards? <laughs> you know, when I was 16, all I wanted was a Walkman. I mean, I, I don't know what that is. And here I was just thinking how you're such a good kid. What? What's a Walkman? I'll tell you on the way to the DMV. Come on. What are you talking about? I have to go to school. If you go to school, we're not going to be able to get everything done today. DMV, donating blood, eating at the Bluebird. Mom, are you sure? Yeah, go and get dressed. We're going to take a mental health day. We'll go eat, have a big breakfast, and uh, I'll tell you what a Walkman is. Take your time. I'm going to go give your brother the good news. He's getting a day off too? This is a good lesson for him. He doesn't get to have extra pancakes at breakfast though. Don't you sneak him any food under the table. Okay, okay. What a wonderful story, you know? It's Evan's 16th birthday, and although his mom wants to take him to the DMV to get his license, like most 16-year-olds, I think, would want to go or would want to do on their 16th birthday, he decided that he wants to donate blood to people in need. Now, his mom tries to convince him about doing it until the following day, the next day, but Evan is determined. So now mom feels so proud of her son that she's giving him the day off school to do it all. How do we raise more kids like Evan and his... I'm sorry, was this a good thing about taking the kid out of school? I don't know if, I'm, if, if I would do that, but... Well, hopefully no school officials will be listening. <laughs> <laughs> to grade us on that. You know, the mom just didn't seem to take herself so hard. She just seems to really just enjoy her kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what it is, right? Enjoy your kids, be present with them, and, mm -hmm. and go with the flow. I'm just wondering, what kind of influence can this have on his brother and his peers with these actions, uh, Dr. James? I, I think the brother is certainly going to appreciate the day off of school. Uh, <laughs> but but I, it sounds like his mom is going to do a really good job of explaining to him exactly why he's getting that day off and what yeah. his brother is doing and why this is so significant. Mm -hmm. So th this is setting a great example for the younger brother of, mm -hmm. of that kind of self-service, you know, that, that going out into the community and giving, as we were just talking about. Maybe his brother's not going to be the same type of person when he turns 16. You, you don't expect everyone to change overnight, but you know, he will have that example, you know, when, when he has kids someday. He might remember, okay, yeah, my brother was the kind of 
guy who would go out and, and give blood on his birthday. When his first day, he was able to do so because it was so important to him to be a giving person. And, and that kind of personal and direct experience is, is very meaningful. Evan's peers, you know, they'll, they'll probably get some of that if he chooses to talk about it. I don't know. He doesn't sound to me like the kind of guy who's necessarily going to be bragging about this. But, you know, someone might ask him, why weren't you in school yesterday? So, you know, they, they might hear. The story might get out. Even on second hand, that's going to have some impact. It's pretty cool, though. If you take a moment to think about someone that made a positive impact in your life when you mm-hmm. were a kid, mm-hmm. I think the brother is going to be that person to to his little brother mm-hmm. on what mm-hmm. you said, caring for others more and doing the correct thing, the right thing, the right in, thing. in the moment where, where, where you need to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Dr. Alicia, as we mentioned in the beginning, many kids that go through a disaster can experience PTSD. What behavioral changes should parents be aware of and when should they seek professional help? Yeah, when you see behavior that is very different than their natural conduct, things like, you know, don't wanting to go to school, things that are clinging, way too much fear about separating themselves from the parent or the mm-hmm. primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. They're having nightmares or night terrors. You know, you see some regression of, you know, bad wedding and, mm-hmm. and you know, acting out. It's being paralyzed yes. and not wanting to do things that they used to want to do. Um, their mood, you know, is more jumpy, more irritable. So, you know, and sometimes it's also shown through some physical discomfort, the headaches, Mm -hmm. stomach aches. You'll see some of that withdrawal. So these are all just behaviors that are outside the norm of playful, joyful children, you know, or your personality of your child. You know your child. Mm -hmm. And when you start seeing behaviors that are outside of what you naturally see in them, um, you know, you as a parent go with your gut. Mm -hmm. If your gut is telling you this doesn't seem right, go with it, right? Get the help that you need. Yeah. Thank you for that. Alrighty, so thank you both for sharing your expertise with us today. Dr. James, it was a pleasure, as always, to have you as a guest today. I appreciate the opportunity to share some words with you guys. It was always fun. It's always great to have you here. Now, Dr. Alicia, what's today's takeaway for our Keeping It Real segment? Wow, there was quite a lot in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think be compassionate if you're caring for others. You know, model for your children that compassion and that empathy for yourself by taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and by doing, you know, good work. They'll see that and then they'll also want to emulate that as well. And when you're seeing symptoms and things that are off because your children have either seen things on TV that are pretty traumatic or they've experienced it in hand, go with that gut feeling and provide help. I would add that there's just you know, a lot of resources out there available. Mm -hmm. So even if you as a parent want to pursue help for yourself, there's a lot of help. But how about if you just want to help others? Like what if you feel called to help others in crisis when Mm -hmm. you see the fire, when you see the trauma, you know, happening all over the world that, you know, is evident and you feel like I I just want to do more. There's great trainings out there that are for free. Critical response training. I know Caleb has them for free. There's in the communities available. So just take doing a little bit of research that you can get more training to be able to, you know, be more equipped to respond to trauma if you want to be able to to learn more about that. There are great resources. So I would encourage you to follow up on those, on that, do a little bit of research and digging in. I know Caleb offers free trainings, but there's others as well. That's great advice. Thank you for that. All right. So that ends today's episode of The Struggle is Real. For more resources, you can visit us at familybridgesusa.org. Also, make sure to check us out and rate the app. Let us know what you think about The Struggle is Real. You can also follow us on social media for the latest with The Struggle is Real. Hashtag T-S-I-R. Thanks for listening. I am Omar Ramos. I'm Dr. Alicia Laos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.